Hello, and welcome back to Problematic Women, a podcast that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of liberal feminists. I am your co-host for the day, Brie Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. And filling in for Kelsey Harkness, it is Lauren Evans, a producer here at The Daily Signal. Very excited to be on with you, Brie. Yay! Yeah. This is a first. Yeah, first, of first you time. And I. Yeah, this yeah. will be super fun. I'm yep. excited. For those who don't know, I, uh, I'm usually behind the scenes, so very excited to uh, step up and uh, actually be on the podcast. But uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Our first segment is called That Happened, uh, where we kind of showcase more of the hypocritical and crazy news stories of the week. Uh, kicking us off is this Jenna Fisher tweet that has kind of gone viral. Uh, well, it actually did go viral. Um, the tweet said, I can't stop thinking about how school teachers can no longer deduct the cost of their classroom supplies on their taxes, something they shouldn't have to pay for with their own money in the first place. I mean, imagine if nurses had to go buy their own syringes. Hashtag, uh. So, I mean, I agree with her. I don't think teachers should have to pay for their own school supplies. The only problem is that that is false. Uh, the uh, deduction that she was talking about uh, is actually still included in the new GOP tax plan. They added it uh, like yeah, the last second. Last second. So I understand her frustration, but to go ahead and tweet this, and then I, I mean, I got hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes, so it's just crazy how it went viral like that. Yeah. So she, in response to this, she deleted the tweet mm-hmm. that had false mm-hmm. information, and she issued an apology. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read bits of it because it's kind of long, actually. Uh, so she said, I made a mistake, and I want to correct it. After reading your feedback and doing additional research, I discovered that I tweeted something that was not accurate. And then she goes on to explain that the deduction was restored at the last second, and she feels bad. I was well-intentioned, but was behind on my research. So I've deleted the tweet because I believe accuracy is important. For a minute, I thought maybe I don't have to delete my tweet because it started a great dialogue about how teachers shouldn't have to go out of pocket to pay for school supplies. I love teachers. True. I had a fact wrong about tax deductions, but I started a dialogue. And then she goes on to say, I'm not ashamed to say that I was wrong and I'm not ashamed to correct it. I was taught that taking responsibility is the right thing to do. Parentheses. Thanks, mom and dad. Close parentheses. Please accept my apology. Thanks for listening, for your feedback, and for being kind. And thank you to our teachers who do much more than we will ever know, opening their hearts and often their wallets to educate our children. With love, Jenna. So I do agree with her that she did touch on a number of issues. I do think that it's ridiculous that teachers have to go out and pay for school supplies out of pockets because that's somehow massively underfunded, despite the fact that uh, our public school system gets millions and millions and millions of dollars in taxpayer dollars every single year. So whatever. I think there's a lot happening there. And I think that it's good of her to bring that up. And I do think that it would have been awful if that bill had passed without that deduction in place. However, I do really appreciate the fact that she just came out with it and was like, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Here's my apology. And she doesn't blame anyone else or say, yeah, I was wrong, but the Republicans are such horrible, nasty people, which is Honestly, what I was expecting as I was reading the, this, I was like waiting for that. But she doesn't do that. So hats off, I think, to Jenna Fisher. Yeah. 
if you don't know, Jenna Fisher plays Pam Beasley on The oh, Office. Yeah. And I kind of think. should have said that. Yeah, this is what Pam Beasley would have done if she was in that situation. I wonder, I th- you know, so many of the actors on The Office, when you see them in interviews or see them behaving in real life, it's like often so similar to their character on that show. I wonder how much like Pam she is in real life. Because yeah. in this case, she certainly was like a little Pam mini-me, I think. Well, hats off to her. We don't see a lot of uh, personal responsibility in 2017. So. It's very true. Every, very refreshing. Everything is everyone's fault. Everything is Trump's fault. So I appreciate that. Okay. Another topic we have going on that received a firestorm of attention. Melania Trump ordered the removal of a 200-year-old tree that was sitting uh, on the White House property that was planted by Andrew Jackson. How could she do that? How could she do that? So it turns out the tree was totally diseased. Diseased. And it was a safety hazard. And apparently there was a very elaborate... Uh, like z- I don't want to say zipline because that's not the right word, mm-hmm. but just a very elaborate support system that was barely holding it up, and parts of the branches were starting to break off and be like a safety hazard for people, and it was just apparent that this tree was not gonna thrive. So Melania Trump ordered that it be cut down, but she ordered that a portion of the tree be preserved. So this got a lot of attention. A lot of people were upset that, you know, Melania Trump was just chopping down 200 year old trees. Uh, And then when the facts of the story came out, Chelsea Clinton actually tweeted, um, tweeted out, thank you to all the chief horticulturalists, which is a word. If you didn't know, it's a word and it means someone who takes care of plants, I'm assuming. Uh, And everyone from the National Park Service who has taken care of the beautiful grounds of the White House over the years. Thank you to Flotus for preserving part of the tree. I and so many have treasured. I thought that was nice. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's crazy about this story, because imagine if this was, you know, this happened three years ago. Do you think right. they would ever write something about this about <laughs> Michelle Obama? She would they would probably write something like hero first lady removes dangerous tree yeah. from White House <laughs> grounds from crushing visitors. That's probably the narrative. Although they didn't really have many White House visitors during their tenure, so True. maybe this wasn't that much of a concern because there weren't really people to look out for. <laughs> well, on that same note, there was an article and believe it or not, it was a negative not an article, a video in Vanity Fair last uh, last week. I'm going to go ahead and play it for you so you can know what we're talking about. Your book, What Happened? What the hell happened? Get someone on your tech staff to disable autofill on your iPhone so that typing an F doesn't become form exploratory committee for 2020. You know on Anderson Cooper, you were telling him about alternate nostril breathing? You seem really adept. You should try teaching a class. Take more photos in the woods. How else are you going to meet unsuspecting hikers? Take up a new hobby in the new year. Volunteer work, knitting, improv comedy, literally anything that'll keep you from running again. To finally put away your James Comey voodoo doll. Now we all know you think that James Comey cost you the election, and he might have, but so did a handful of other things. It's a year later and time to move on. So I want to repeat, that was tweeted out by Vanity Fair. I I think I had to watch it about three times before I actually believed that Vanity Fair would put out anything negative about Hillary Clinton. Uh, but, Brie, I mean, what do you think when you saw that, that they're, they're saying that she shouldn't run for president again? I was surprised. I was surprised that they tweeted that out. I mean, you this is 
the same magazine that had pantsuit think pieces and yeah. whatnot. So this was surprising to me. Um, but I don't know. It was just a funny video that, you know, they just yeah. tweeted out that they were like, oh, this is funny. We don't want you to run again. Here's all these other things that you could do. And I think some of the response has been rather interesting. I don't know if we want to kind of get into that. Patricia Arquette tweeted at them and was like, stop telling women what to do. Hashtag clap hand emoji. Stop telling women what to do. It's almost 2018. Stop doing that. Uh, And they got wrecked, basically, in response to this video. A lot of people were coming out there all upset. Uh that they would dare say something like this. And then in response, Vanity Fair kind of apologized and issued an apology and walked some of this back and was like, oh, you know, this video was done kind of in poor taste, didn't strike the right tone that we wanted um, our readers to understand, which spurred President Trump this morning to tweet about how they are supposedly on their last legs, according to him, and that they are weak-willed and begging Hillary Clinton for forgiveness and issuing an apology. Um, And he says that this represents just the worst of everything, you know, in news media, that they did this really mild critique, funny video of her, and then apologized profusely and walked it back in response to feminist outrage. I think he's kind of... Right. I think he's kind of right, because, I mean, that's kind of exactly what happened. They were just poking fun. And then, oh, we're so sorry. You know, Queen Hillary. <laughs> yeah, we. so we, we'll get to it later in the show. But we did a video this week about problematic women of the year. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, SNL skits, skitches of uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Betsy DeVos. And I mean, women aren't. They can be made fun of. If we're equal, women should be made fun of like men. And so this is a funny video of Hillary Clinton. You can't bring race and gender into everything. And I think um, Vanity Fair did a good job. Uh, But, yeah, I agree. President Trump was right that they should just stick to their guns. Well, they didn't even say anything sexist in the video. They were just like, please don't run again. We're sick of, you know, your tired old policies. We're sick of you as a candidate. So please just do other things and don't do this because we're tired of you. Right. They didn't say anything like, oh, you look like an old bag or something like that, which would be sexist. So, you know, I think asking someone who you don't agree with politically or who you are sick of seeing uh, not to run again in kind of a tongue in cheek video. I don't really see the sexism in that. But I guess, you know, it's 2017. Everything is sexist. Do you think it will be that way in 2018? Do you think it will be just as bad? Just as bad. I, I, I honestly don't know. Where's it going to stop? Like, where's the line? It's it's always continuing to move. I'm, I've always wondered that myself. Like, when will the silliness end and everyone no. just kind of wake up? But I think you're right. I think it no. will get worse. So buckle up, everyone. <laughs> Speaking of 2018, it's time to talk about our favorite stories of 2017. Lauren and I have picked our favorite stories throughout the year, and we're just going to talk about them. So my favorite story that I wrote this year 
over at thefederalist.com was one about a yarn store owner who received rape threats and death threats and all of these crazy threats for saying that she did not want to sell pink yarn for people who wanted to knit you know, the hats. That they were at the women's march. That they were at the women's march. I don't even know if we can say the word that... We'll we'll skip over it. We'll skip over it, yeah. So she just, she saw the women's march on TV. She saw how gross gross and vulgar um, the entire march was and that a lot of the protest signs... I actually went and covered the march and she is right in her estimation of this. A lot of the signs protesting the president involved genitalia, uh, the theme of the Women's March was genitalia-oriented because of comments that the president said a long, long time ago to Billy Bush uh, in a tape that was released like a month before the election. And so there's just a lot of vulgarity and genitalia everywhere. And part of this were hats that people were wearing um, and that were shaped like cats, little cat ears. They're pink. I think you all know what I'm talking about. So she just saw all of this and was just like, oh man, they took that cute little pattern of the hats and they turned it into like this vulgar thing. So she posted on the Facebook page of her store, which is called The Joy of Knitting, that she did not want to sell yarn for these gross hats and please like buy your yarn elsewhere if you're going to make hat like that out of it um and then her post went viral and the next day or hours later she was already getting rape threats death threats people were threatening to like break into her store all kinds of crazy stuff um and she just endured and doubled down and was not going to back down she was like no this is my store i'm allowed to not sell yarn for a specific political or even gross vulgar message Uh, if I don't agree with it or if I don't like it. And I thought that that was interesting. And I think in light of the Masterpiece cake shop case that is before the Supreme Court that kind of deals with a lot of the same issues uh, at hand, I think it'll just be interesting to to see how that case turns out and to see what happens, what freedoms business owners are able to have in light of that decision. Yeah, I think it's really ironic because, like you mentioned, most of the signs were very vulgar, but the ones that weren't vulgar, they all said, love Trump's hate. And then you see all these people getting death threats and rape threats over, you know, just not selling an item to somebody. Right. So it's just, it's it's so hypocritical. Or even those individuals who were at the march and... Uh, you know, had the vulgar signs, they were like, they were talking about it in reference to comments that the president made that were kind of sexually assaulty, mm-hmm. right? So they're opposing inappropriate, lewd, sexually assaulty comments that the president was made. And they're like, you're not going to violate us, Mr. President. You know, you're not going to talk like this about women again. Um, and yet, there they are turning that narrative around and talking like that to, to another woman who just happens to disagree with their vulgar message. Yeah. And I mean, they can go on Amazon and get yarn. It's not like she's right. denying them. The only <laughs> yeah. yarn in America. I know. I know. So this whole thing was so ridiculous. So I got to interview her 
Uh, and I got to chat with her via Facebook, you know, their little video mm-hmm. chat that they had. So I got, she gave me a tour of the store. Aww. Yeah, it was so sweet. So I really liked her. Her name is Elizabeth Poe, and she has a store in Franklin, Tennessee called The Joy of Knitting. So if any of y'all are listening in the Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee area, you should stop by her store and see how she's doing and buy something from her. But don't buy pink yarn and turn it into a pussy and turn it into a nasty <laughs> hat because she doesn't like that. Anyway, so that's my favorite story of the year. What was yours? So I'm going to cheat, and I have two. I couldn't Go. pick. Um, so one is political and one's not political. The first one was one that um, we covered, Kelsey Harkness, over at the Daily Signal, um, and I helped edit the video on uh, the, that side. Um, and it's a, group, a video about a group called Hands Across the Aisle. Uh, and what it is, it's, it's a conservative, a rape survivor, a feminist, and a lesbian activist all who believe that defining sex based on gender identity rather than biology is harmful to women. Uh, And I thought this story was so special because everything in 2017 was negative and how people can't ever work together. Uh, But these four women were very different uh, in pretty much every aspect, the way they looked, where where they lived. Um, But they come together on this issue and they they spoke to different groups in D.C. and we got to hang out with them one night. And it was just special, you know, politics. They agreed on this one issue and they like to hang out with one another. and, And that's all they needed. Um, they even said that they don't talk about other issues while they're focusing on this issue, this issue because they want to focus on the inclusiveness rather than the divisiveness. So that's nice. Yeah. We need more of that. We need more of people of different walks of life and different persuasions coming together to fight for a specific political yeah, cause. Not necessarily bipartisanship, but, you know, just realizing that the other person isn't the enemy, that there are right. ways that you can work together. So um, the other one. Uh, I love college football. Uh, I always try to get Kelsey and Bree to talk about college football on the show. But and we're I, always like, what? what? What's, what's that? <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, specifically, I'm a huge UCF fan. And for probably the very few out there that aren't familiar with UCF, um, two years ago, they went 0-15, meaning they didn't win one game this season. Uh, oh, and, excuse me, 0-12, they didn't win one game that season. And this season, they went 12-0, and which is amazing. But... Um, Specifically on that team, there's a linebacker named Shaquille Griffin. Um, Shaquem Griffin, excuse me, Shaquille is a twin brother. Uh, and he has something called amniotic band syndrome. And part of that means meant he lost his hand at a very young age. Uh, and it was kind of crazy thinking linebacker, for those who aren't as familiar with football. Yeah, he, can you explain what a linebacker is? So they're on the defense. <laughs> okay. So they, they're on the team who tries to stop the people throwing the ball. Um, and so when you, you're linebacker you have to wrap somebody up and tackle it so he's already at a disadvantage because he has to you know he has doesn't have a hand to really grab on um but he's the team leader in sacks he's just an incredible athlete all around defensive player of the year last year for the american conference he actually caught an interception with one hand this year it's just amazing um and he this week while ucf is preparing for the peach bowl in atlanta got the opportunity to meet uh another young boy who was probably about three or four years old who had the same syndrome with him and this is what he told him when he met him it's not about me it's not about football it's about who you can motivate just telling people that it's against the odds that you can do whatever you want um despite any roadblocks that comes ahead of you so that's sweet yeah really encourage you uh ucf football if you go on facebook or twitter you can watch the video but he's just really inspiring um, and really just shows that you can do whatever you want with a lot of hard work. All right. So here comes our favorite part of the show. We're going to crown our problematic women of the oh, year. Of the year. What? What? 
we're not doing the week. We're doing the year because it's the last show of 2017. So if you haven't seen it already, there's a new video up on the Daily Signal's Facebook page um, in which we talk about the problematic and crown the five top most problematic women of the year. And by problematic women, we mean women that don't by all of the liberal feminist talking points and ideology and maybe disagree some of the time. Um, and then feminists like to call them problematic. So on the show, we like to uh, emphasize and point out and highlight the work and the things that problematic women are doing because we think that they should just own it yeah. and be proud of it and just be problematic, be loud, be proud. All right, so I guess we'll switch off here, starting with... Number five. five. Count down. I can count. We can count down. Okay. So Ivanka and Melania, we kind of combined here as number five. Uh, a lot of controversy and outrage surrounding their outfits throughout the year. If you remember when hurricane season struck, there's a lot of criticism about the fact that Ivanka, Melania Trump decided to wear heels when boarding Air Force One. Which I thought was ridiculous. So problematic. Yeah. I can't believe it. She walked, what, maybe 25 feet in those heels? And it yeah. was a New York Times article about it. It's New just insane. Um, and she even changed her shoes on the plane once right. she got to Texas. So, so she was wearing sneakers when she, like Adidas, I think it yeah. was, when she landed. Yeah. So we just thought that that was ridiculous. And we were like, keep on rocking those stilettos. Wear what you want. She looks great. I mean, yeah. she looks perfect every single day. Yeah, she does. Can you imagine that? I can't. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No. While I'm talking, I have lipstick applied like a clown all over my face that I put on in the car. So I, I don't know what that's like. All right. Number four. Kick us off, Lord. Who's number four? Number four. Washington's most hated woman, Betsy DeVos. And when, when we were researching what people were saying about Betsy DeVos, it's just it's insane. It's just such a trigger to the left that you know she doesn't know anything about uh, school that she's she's stupid they like to say she, that yeah, yeah it's like they won't give her one credit for anything like she just she's this terrible person who wants to ruin the united states department of education um and the worst thing that she did of the year she dared to do was to dress up like miss frizzle for halloween they every liberal uh, magazine had an being like, this is the world's scariest Halloween costume. And it's literally Betsy DeVos in a dress. If you're not familiar, the Magic School Bus is a cartoon that um, was on PBS in the mid-90s, late 90s. Uh, and it's just this kind of eclectic school teacher that had this Magic School Bus. And, you know, sometimes they would go to outer space and sometimes they would go through the blood system. And you, you would learn uh, a lesson on something sciencey. So she just wore a dress like Miss Frizzle would wear with planets uh, and walked around with children, and that was a major scandal to these people that she was disgracing their uh, child memory. Yeah, it's just you can't win. Yeah, you can't win. Can't dress up like Miss Frizzle. Can't dress up like yourself. Can't be yourself. Himself. You can't exist. Yeah, it's too much. All right, number three, we have the women of Fox News. So a Pulitzer Prize when columnist came out and talked about how they were just. You know, blonde Barbie dolls uh, who wear short skirts, and that's why they are on TV and why they are successful. 
And he got a lot of flack for that. A lot of uh, Fox News anchors like Martha McCallum and former Fox News anchor Megan Kelly pushing back at him and being like, listen, we're smart. A lot of us have Ivy League degrees and we work hard, so please stop. Um, but I believe it was like Vogue or Vanity Fair, correct me if I'm wrong, that came out with this concept of blonde privilege. I can't remember yeah. the name of the outlet off the top of my head, but, but blonde that- privilege was a thing that people like to say, oh, if you're blonde, like you have a leg up in this administration and in Trump's America and blonde privilege is such a thing. And if you are blonde, you should feel bad. Do you feel bad, Lauren, as a blonde? I was about to blonde? say, full disclaimer, I am a blonde, and if I've been uh, exhibiting my privilege over you, Brie, I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. I've So, growing up, my mom was actually blonde and blue-eyed, and mm-hmm. I always thought, oh, when I grow up, like my hair will turn, turn blonde. blonde. And my hair is black. Like It's very dark. It's very dark. So, I was just like, it's going to happen one day. And I think I was about five years old when I realized it's never going to happen. I'm five. It's, You're five. If it hasn't happened now, <laughs> I'm always going to be a brunette. Yeah. And since then, I've just learned to accept it. Yeah. You look great. All right. Number one. Number two. Number two. Number two. It's a rough day. It's... I'm telling you, it's a hard day. Number two. You want to kick us off, Lauren? Number two, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, um, with an honorable mention to her entire all-female press team. Um, Including I mean, Hope Hicks. Hope Hicks and Mercedes Schlapp. Uh, so I, it's the first ever all-female White House press team. Um, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I mean, she just she can't win. Uh, and I think, you know, Ivanka and Melania get made fun of so much for being too perfect and wearing too much stuff. And then Sarah Huckabee Sanders is too relatable. I mean, like, you can't win. She 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 looks great, but, you know, she doesn't wear the high fashion clothes. She wears like what you and I would wear. Yeah, she wears normal. I think there was a think piece that was like the politics of relatable fashion. The, do- the dark side of being too relatable. I'm pretty sure I think that's what it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. My favorite was the one where she was like visiting um, South Korea. And I think they were along the demilitarized mm-hmm. zone, the DMZ. And it was really cold. And, uh, you know, a soldier that she was with lent her his camo jacket. And she had, you know, like a dress and pearls on. So she just was wearing this camo jacket for like 10 minutes. Someone stopped a photo and it was like, oh, military chic. What this <laughs> says about Trump's America. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, like, and then too, uh, there's a show on Netflix called Chelsea, and it's like a, a running sketch where um, this comedian, just Fortune Feimster, Fortune Feimster, just her lipstick, her eyeshadow, you know what she looks like, how she talks. I mean, it's every, everything, and you know, with Melania and Ivanka, you can kind of see like, oh, they're telling them they're too perfect. Like it's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but with her, it's just it's it's. I don't look like I'm 35. You know, I look like I'm older. I look just like my dad and just stuff like that where you're like, where do you think that it's okay to talk to a woman this way? To say like, oh, my smoky eyeshadow. You know, you just apply it with your whole hand. It's it's gross. Yeah. All right, Brie. You want to do number one? All right, let's do it. Number one, topping out the problematic women list of the year is you. That is everyone who did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I think we have a little clip 
of her freaking out about women who did not vote for her and talking about how they voted against themselves and about how they violated themselves in public, which the voting booth is secret, but nevertheless, Hillary Clinton thinks it's awful. I think, why are they publicly disrespecting themselves? Why are they opening the door to have someone say that about them? Uh, in their- I mean, it's just crazy. It's, this is, uh, she can't let it go. I mean, women, like we said at the be- beginning, they're equal. I mean, they can have, they don't just vote because they're a woman. You just don't vote for somebody because they're a woman. So um, we also had uh, examples in the video where there was a student uh, with Students for Life who was punched outside a pro-life clinic, or excuse me, was punched for being pro-life in, outside of an abortion clinic. Uh a girl who was pepper sprayed at Berkeley just for wearing a Make America Great Again hat. I mean, you you have to be careful when you disagree with the kind of the mainstream. But in no way should women ever be targeted just for being a conservative because there are bigger issues than being a woman sometimes. Taxes, you know, uh, conservative and traditional values. So kudos to those women who stood up for conservative values and traditional values. And congratulations on being Problematic Woman of the Year. Speaking of rounding 2017 out, looking ahead to the new year, we thought we'd talk about New Year's resolutions. You know, normally at the beginning of the year, a lot of people like to hit the gym really aggressively and say, this is the year I'm going to get into shape, which I've quite honestly just stopped doing. I'm just like, I know it's not going to happen. This isn't going to be the year 2018. It's not going to be the year starting in January that I decide to do this. You know, I might decide in September to get into shape. Who knows? Uh, But if that's on your list of New Year's resolutions, you can check out Ruth Bader Ginsburg's workout routine. Politico did a story about this some time ago saying and the entitled I did Ruth Bader Ginsburg wow Ruth Bader Ginsburg's workout it nearly broke me <laughs> yeah so it's i mean she's 84 years old uh and I would I admit if I had to do this this would be very difficult um she does a machine bench press about 70 pounds leg curls leg presses chest flies lat pull downs push-ups uh standing rows uh, I mean, it's just thinking of the 84-year-old Ruth Bader Ginsburg pumping iron in the gym. It's just, uh, I think it's a really funny thing. So I think it's quite impressive. And I hope she keeps it up because, I mean, studies show that physical exercise helps you live longer. And she yeah. has certainly lived for a while and hopefully she'll be alive for much longer. Well, that wraps up our show this week. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please don't be shy in letting us know. You can follow my work over at thefederalist.com and follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. And you can follow our work at The Daily Signal at dailysignal.com. And you can tweet segment ideas for problematic women or ideas for problematic women of the week 
at Lauren Eliz Evans. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist, and it's produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal, who you just heard from and who joined me as co-host in this episode. All the Heritage Foundation's podcasts are now featured on the Ricochet Audio Network podcast, so you can check out more there and listen to some of our other shows, which are also very good. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture. Happy New Year.